the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find alone And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. And it will be when you say, Why does the Lord our God do all these things to us? Then you shall answer them, Just as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so shall you serve aliens in a land that is not yours. The people of Judah wanted to serve foreign gods, so what did God do? He sent them to a foreign land where they could worship those foreign gods. He sent them to Babylon. God gives clear warning to everyone about the consequences of sin. However, He is abounding in mercy and grace to those who turn from their sin and live for Him. Pastor Dan will be in Jeremiah today to observe the children of Judah at that time. You will see this evident grace of God, but you'll also see a people with hearts that are hardened to the point of still rejecting God despite His patience with them. There are consequences to sin, and Judah experienced it firsthand because of their choices. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 5 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. He wanted to forgive them. He pleaded with them to come back to Him to return But they refused. And so God says, now, well, what other recourse do I have? They wouldn't come back. They wouldn't repent. I gave them the opportunity. You know, Jesus is the only way of salvation that God has provided for mankind. And if someone chooses to reject that way of salvation that God has provided and reject Jesus Christ, what other recourse does God have? They've rejected the only way of salvation. You know, the only option God has at that point is to punish them, to judge them, because they've refused the way of salvation. And he says that here, shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? And now in verse 10, he speaks to uh, the Babylonians who will come and destroy Jerusalem. He says to the Babylonians, go up on our walls and destroy, but do not make a complete end. Don't utterly destroy and kill all of them. There's a future and a hope that God has for his people. Take away her branches, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah, so the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, have dealt very treacherously with me, says the Lord. They have lied about the Lord and said, It is not he, neither will evil come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine. The the people were saying of God, of the Lord, 
It is not he, meaning God will do nothing. God's not going to do anything. God's not going to judge us for what we're doing. What we're doing isn't sin. God's not going to condemn us for our behavior. They believed nothing would happen to them. They believed that they would never be judged for what they were doing. And then judgment came. Again, this is something that will characterize the last days. The people in the last days will believe that there's no judgment coming. God's not going to judge us. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3 says, When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Uh, in Matthew 24, in what's known as the Olivet Discourse, because Jesus gave this sermon on the Mount of Olives, um, in Matthew 24, verse 37, there the Lord says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. He says in the days of Noah, they just went about their life as if nothing was going to happen, eating, drinking, getting married, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And he said they didn't know until the flood actually came. Then they knew. They didn't believe until it was too late. That's what happens in Judah. In Judah, the people were saying, nothing's going to happen. There's no judgment coming. God's not going to judge us. And they're going to believe that all the way up to the point when the Babylonians are outside their gate. And even then, they still will believe that God will protect them. And nothing's going to happen. Even though, all along, God has had his word and prophets declaring that judgment is coming if they don't repent. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Now, look at verse 13. And the prophets become wind, for the Word is not in them. Thus shall it be done to them. The false prophets is what he's speaking of here. The false prophets were full of hot air. They're full of wind. The word of God was not in them. You know, so there's these false prophets who are declaring, no, thus saith the Lord, you're fine. Thus saith the Lord. He's not going to judge you. He's going to prosper you. They're preaching a false message. Verse 14, therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts. He's speaking to Jeremiah now, because you speak this word, Behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, 
and this people would, and it shall devour them. Now, initially, God uh, put his words in Jeremiah's mouth to appeal to the people to return from their backsliding. They have rejected that message. And so now God's word will be like fire and the people will be wood. Speaking of judgment, fire is often a symbol of judgment in the Old Testament. God will judge Judah by his word now. They wouldn't receive his word and repent. So now his word will serve as judgment upon them. They have the word. And God, initially, he intended for his word to convict them of their sin and lead them to repentance. But when they harden their hearts against his word, now his word will serve as judgment upon them. You know, you see uh, in the Gospels, in Luke 16, the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Remember, Lazarus dies. He goes to a place of comfort. The rich man dies. He goes to the place of torment. And there in the place of torment, he appeals uh, to Abraham. And he asks Abraham to send Lazarus back from the dead to warn his brothers because the rich man had five brothers And he said, send Lazarus back to warn my brothers so they don't end up in this place of torment like me. Do you remember what Abraham's answer was? Abraham's answer was, they've got Moses and the prophets. They've got the word of God. God has given ample witness to them. He's given them the word. They've got what they need to know what they should do. And if they reject the word of God, then that becomes a judgment against them. God will use the word against them. Even Jesus talked about, we've seen this in the gospel of John, where Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Moses condemns you, right? The word of God condemns you. The word of God judges you. So they've got the word of God. And if they don't listen to the word of God, the word of God will be used against them as a testimony against them. Jeremiah's words will be like fire now, and the people will be like wood. Verse 15 Behold, I will bring a nation against you from afar. Speaking of Babylon, O house of Israel, says the Lord. It is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation, a nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. You know, God is speaking of Babylon coming from afar. And he says here that this nation that is coming, uh, you won't know their language. And you won't understand what they say. You won't be able to communicate with them. You won't be able to negotiate with Babylon. You won't be able to negotiate a peace agreement. You won't be able to negotiate terms of surrender. You won't be able to negotiate uh, anything. You won't be able to plead for mercy with them because they're not going to understand anything you say. And so they're just going to come in and destroy you. Their quiver is like an open tomb. They are all mighty men and they shall eat up your harvest and your bread, which your sons and daughters should eat. They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees. They shall destroy your fortified cities in which you trust with the sword. They're going to destroy everything, and they're going to take everything. They're going to strip the nation of all of its resources, which historically that's what Babylon did. And they came into a nation. They took everything of value and just laid waste to the land, just this, you know, scorched earth policy kind of thing. And archaeology has shown that that's what they did. And you would think after a warning like this of the consequences of their rebellion, that the people would 
Turn back to the Lord. I don't want that to happen to me. But they don't. They don't. So verse 18. Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, I will not make a complete end of you. There's still this future and hope that God has for his people. He's not going to completely wipe them out. And it will be when you say, why does the Lord our God do all these things to us? Then you shall answer them, just as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so shall you serve aliens in a land that is not yours. The people of Judah wanted to serve foreign gods. So what did God do? He sent them to a foreign land where they could worship those foreign gods. He sent them to Babylon. Sometimes, sometimes when we are stiff-necked and hard-hearted and we refuse to listen and we refuse to repent, sometimes God gives us what we want and he gives it to us in huge doses. Babylon was filled with idolatry. And God gets to the point where their, their hearts are just so hard that God says, okay, if you want to worship foreign gods, I'm going to send you to the capital of foreign gods. And you can just go and worship your foreign gods then until you're sick of it. Then you can come back. Sometimes God does that. If we're stubborn enough, God does that with us. Verse 20. Declare this in the house of Jacob and proclaim it in Judah, saying, Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not. Now, this is exactly how God describes idols in the Psalms. In Psalm 115, if you're taking notes, Psalm 115, verse 4 through 8. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. Speaking of their idols, they have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. And then he says, those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. What God is saying there is you become like the God you worship. And the people of Judah have become like the idols they worshipped. Verse 22, do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence? They had lost the fear of the Lord. He says, who have placed the sand as the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass beyond it. And though its waves toss to and fro, yet they cannot prevail Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. But this people has a defiant and rebellious heart. They have revolted and departed. And God mentions the sea here, the ocean. The sea, God has set the boundaries of the sea. And the sea stays within the boundaries that God has established for it. All of creation stays within the bounds that God has set for it, except for mankind. Mankind is the only part of God's creation that has revolted against God and revolted against God's authority. The rest of creation, it is submitted to God's authority. It stays within the boundaries that God has established for it. But mankind has revolted. You know, in John chapter 1, verse 11, speaking of Jesus, it says, 
He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And there, when it says he came unto his own, it means he came to all of creation and his own, and it's talking about a specific portion of his creation, his own received him not. The only part of creation that didn't receive Jesus was mankind. The rest of creation received him and submitted to him and glorified him, except for mankind's only part that's rebelled. And so he goes on here in verse 24. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain, both the former rain and the latter rain in its season. Now, the former rain and the latter rain, we see that mentioned often in the Old Testament. The former rain uh, was at the beginning of the planting season. It softened the soil so it would make it easier to till the soil, to plant your seed. The latter rain came at the end of the season, just before harvest, and it helped to produce, you know, a bumper crop. And God gave both, the former rain and the latter rain in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Uh, and, And here, you know, God has blessed them. God has provided for them, and yet they rebelled against him. God provided the rain. God provided the harvest. God provided everything for them. Your iniquities have turned these things away. Your iniquities have turned the rain away. God sent a drought because of their iniquity. And your sins have withheld good from you. That's a verse you should underline in your Bible. Sin withholds good from you. Now, uh, Turn with me over to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. And this is before the children of Israel entered into the promised land. And we've looked at these verses before, but they're important to look at again. Deuteronomy 11 verse 10. God tells the children of Israel, For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. In Egypt, they had the Nile River that provided a continual supply of water. They created a canal system that brought water out into their fields to irrigate their fields. They created watering systems where they could water by foot and pump water out into their fields. Uh, So they didn't live by faith in Egypt. They lived by ingenuity. They lived by their own ability in Egypt. And he's saying, the land I'm taking you to now, it's not like Egypt. Verse 11, the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys. It's not flat like Egypt, like the Nile River Delta, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, which is exactly what they've done. 
lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. And he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain and the land yield no produce. And you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. When God sent a drought upon the land, that was a sign to the people that they have turned away from the Lord. And so that's exactly what God did. He sent a drought upon the land. Remember Elijah the prophet, and he has that showdown with the prophets of Baal. That showdown is at the end of a three and a half year drought that has been upon the land. The people were worshiping Baal because they believed Baal was the God who sent rain upon the earth to water their crops. And so what did Yahweh do? He sent a drought for three years to show them it is not Baal who sends the rain. And even when Elijah is there with the people gathered at Mount Carmel, and he tells them to choose which God they're going to serve. You know, if the Lord is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. And it says that the people were silent. Even after three years of a drought, three years of Baal failing them, they still didn't repent. They still didn't turn back to the Lord Jehovah because their hearts were hard. They were just determined not to turn back to the Lord, even though their rebellion was destroying them and destroying their lives. They would not turn back to the Lord. And that's how a lot of people are with sin. It can destroy their lives, wipe them out, but they just refuse to turn back. So go back to chapter 5, and we'll kind of finish up here with this chapter. God withheld the rain from them because of their iniquities, because their sins. He withheld good from them, and yet they still didn't repent. Verse 26, for among my people are found wicked men. They lie in wait as one who sets snares. They set a trap. They catch men as a cage is full of birds. So their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and grown rich. They're prospering materially. They have grown fat. They are sleek. They surpass the deeds of the wicked. They do not plead the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy they do not defend, and so they don't care about the weak and the helpless, the vulnerable in their society and their culture, uh, which God commanded them to care for. And he asks the question again, a second time. Shall I not punish them for these things? Says the Lord. Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this, now look at verse 30. An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. This is astonishing and horrible to God. And he tells us in verse 31 what the astonishing and horrible thing is. He says, the prophets prophesy falsely. But that's not the astonishing, horrible thing. And the priests rule by their own power. That's not the astonishing and horrible thing. And my people love to have it so. That's what's astonishing to God. That's what's horrible in his sight. The prophets were proclaiming lies. The priests, he says, they were ruling by their own authority instead of the authority of God's word. See that happening in a lot of denominations today. He asked me how I 
When you look at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile, but think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful, but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes Rings true.